Hi, this is Steve Andres. I'm the pastor of New City Church, and this is our podcast. Every week at New City, we invite people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and learn how to make a difference. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope that this message inspires and challenges you to love God and serve your city more. If you want more info on New City Church or other resources, go to newcity.life today. But for now, enjoy this message. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm going to just read a few different verses here. It says this, It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Good. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and to provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Some of you guys are like, can you even say that in here? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Verse 7, sometimes, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul, he says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. But singleness is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. Some of you are like, I didn't think my single life was a gift. Worse yet, some of you married people are like, I didn't know if my married life was a gift. We'll cover that next week. Verse 17, don't be wishing you were somewhere else, someplace else, or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would bless your word. We ask God that you would speak to every heart, that you would work in each of us, Lord, to, to mend and to heal areas that have been broken. We pray that you would give perspective, open eyes, Lord, to see uh, what it is that you want to accomplish in our lives. And God, would you ultimately, we just pray, would you have your way in our lives and in our families and in our church and community? In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. So, as the story goes, God told Adam that he was going to make Eve. And this is not in, this is, this is kind of reading between the lines of the Bible. It says, God said to Adam, she'll cook and she'll clean and she'll wash your clothes. She's going to agree with every decision that you make. She is going to bear your children and take care of them without any complaining, without asking you to do a thing. She'll never nag. She'll always be the first to admit if she's wrong when you have a disagreement. She'll be attracted to you no matter how you look. And she'll always adore you just the way you are. And Adam was very excited. Wow, what will a woman like that cost me? And God said, an arm and a leg. And Adam said, hmm, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I've embraced the corniness of this role sometimes. When we talk about marriage, singleness, and family, uh, it's true. That it's good to laugh a little bit because uh, it always inevitably touches a nerve with people. 
I mean, when we talk about singleness, when we talk about marriage, when we talk about family, um, some of you, uh, when we talk about children, some of you are still twitching, like when you, when you remember like what it was like when your kids didn't sleep for like a year straight, you know, like you had a baby that was colicky or whatever else, and you just have not recovered from the trauma of that experience. And, and then in a much more serious sense, there, there are many of us here who, who are, are still kind of wounded and experiencing pain from many of the relationships that we've been in that have ended or that have gone wrong. And I would just say this, I really believe that there is God, that there is grace from God for every single relationship that we're going to talk about. This is, I think, why that we're here to talk about this, because even though it might touch a nerve, God is able, whenever God is involved in the mix. He's there to bring goodness. He's there to bring healing. He's there to bring wisdom. And I really believe that God's going to do that. We know that this is a serious subject. More than half of our marriages in our country end in divorce. And that is painful and it's costly. All of us here have been impacted by this in some way. Some of you have gone through divorce. Some of you have have had parents who divorced, and others of you have walked with somebody who, who uh, went through divorce or experienced divorce in some way. So when we think about something as important and as costly as singleness and marriage, then when we say 50% of these end in divorce, we would say 50-50, those are some not really great odds, <laughs> right? We would never buy a car where 50% of the time the brakes worked, <laughs> right? We would never say, well, that sounds like pretty good odds. I hope it works well for me. But people are getting into marriages all the time just hoping that it works out. And so with so little preparation and with so much baggage that we bring into relationships, we can't be surprised that some single people end up making a wreck out of their marriage, okay? Getting real here. And when I get real, it gets quiet. The challenges of marriage, listen, are so real that God's word, Paul, the Apostle Paul, tries to get us to avoid marriage, <laughs> right? Unless we're sure that it's for us, right? He says this, I wish that all of you were single like me, because it's better. I'm living the life out here, living my best life as a single apostle, right? Unfortunately, in our day, being single is not always considered a good thing, especially especially in traditional circles. I mean, most of you, when you find out that somebody's going to talk about singleness on a, on, you know, at church, you're like, okay, great, they're going to, you know, who knows what they're going to say. Or what, you know, some of you are here just to find out what kind of craziness is going to come out, you know, come from this platform out. But I, I hope it's not crazy. I hope to really reflect God's wisdom in this because I really believe that there is something to be said today for people who are single in our culture and in our society. You see, we spend more time, so much more time and energy on intervention and on healing than we do on preparation when it comes to marriage. I mean, the amount of effort and energy that goes into this thing, if, I think if we were to apply a portion of that to preparation and to, and to uh, wisely processing through our single years, we might actually see less of that kind of pain, of that kind of woundedness than, uh, than we do now. Now, I did spend, some of you guys wonder, well, you're married, what, what kind of authority are you on singleness, right? I, I did spend 10 years as a single adult in my 20s. I left my house 
uh, my parents' house when I was 18. I came back for a brief stint of like a month or two when I moved back from El Salvador, and then I, I was still, uh, then I went on to, uh, to live on my own for the rest until I was married at 29. And, and there was a brief time in my 20s where I wondered, am I going to go the distance here? <laughs> you know, am I really, do I have the gift of singleness? No, I realized that I don't. But other people were wondering for a while, is everything okay with this guy? <laughs> especially in traditional circles, especially in church, people are looking, if you, if you come into church and you're single, a lot of times you might feel eyes, what's wrong? But I would pay, people would say, well, what's wrong with you? Why haven't you found anybody yet? When are you going to get married? And so we feel like this, kind of like this pressure, this urging that somehow we got to get out of this season and into the next season so we can get on with stuff. But my encouragement to you, I think, Echoing the word of God is just be cautious that you're not rushing through this season because God has purpose in this season. And if you are waiting during this time, it doesn't have to be wasted time. Okay? Before marriage, God actually made, before married people, God made single people. And today, in our culture, more than 50% of our population, adult population, is single or single again. So God made male and female, the Bible says, and then God didn't make a, a wife for Adam. He made Eve, and he presented Eve to Adam. And Adam said, if you read the text, he said this, whoa, man, and she was called woman, right? That's literally, like, he said, basically, are you, are you, a, is that too corny again? I am not afraid. Have I said that? I'm not afraid, Okay. I don't think there's any more redemptive and purpose-filled guide for life and, and relationships in the Bible. And I, I really mean that. The older that I get, the more that I counsel people, the more that I see, I actually believe that there is no more redemptive and purpose-filled guide for relationships, for singleness, for marriage, for family, than the Bible. Now, for those of you who come into the house today who are single or for those of you who have single friends, I hope to offer at least a little bit of perspective on what the Bible says about this season. For some of you, it might I have not known many people who have what the Apostle Paul called the gift of singleness. I don't know many people. I have known a few. I've known, a people, I've known people who stayed single for a long time and then got married, who had a season of extended singleness and who, did, who were content and secure and were absolutely joy-filled in that season and purpose-filled in that season. I've seen people who were single for a year and were completely discontent. So I want to encourage you today with a few thoughts. After we go kind of springboarding off of last week talking about, hey, here's what's so important about my relationships. I am the most important ingredient in all my relationships. Let me talk about what God's word has to say about being single. Number one is this. One is a whole number, not a fraction. You learned it way early on in school, but we talked about whole numbers, integers, those numbers before you ever learn, but when you start have to, having to learn about fractions and, and halves and, and quarters and, and three quarters and whatever else, you learn that one is a whole number, and the Bible actually sees it that way. Now, hundreds of years ago, in, in what, what I would call, and now here's where I'm going to, you guys are going to be like, oh, he's trying to, I'm not trying to trying to be too smart here for you, but let me just talk about this. Hundreds of years ago in what we would call secular Western society, we made the leap to say with a feigned humility that human life is an insignificant speck in the universe. And after we, God is nowhere to be found. 
If he started anything, he's nowhere to be found now. And, and, and probably he didn't, probably just through the course of events of, 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 of the Big Bang and, and, and macroevolution and, all, and, and, and the, the formation of all the life came about by chance. And we are just an insignificant speck in the universe. And when we die, there is nothing. And I think that that came, somehow it was pronounced with an air of humility, but in the end, it actually made us so focused on ourselves. This is what happened. Even, even the person who believes that with all their heart has no way of avoiding this desire for transcendent worth. Even if I come on the scene and I am a, you know, raging, decided atheist, you know, atheistic humanist, I believe that absolutely there is no God and there is no, all we are when we die, listen, everybody I have ever met, no matter what their posture on this particular point of view, wants to have a sense of worth and a sense of transcendence, to feel that our lives matter. And here's what happened. When we took God out of the equation, our culture began, our individuals and our society began to look in every other location for worth and for meaning. And so, here's what we did. If, if you look at traditional cultures, we said, well, then the, the meaning and the worth is in family. It's in marriage. It's in relationships. You know what? That's where the real meaning is. And so from a, a traditional standpoint, we said that. And then from other, from, you know, maybe from a non-traditional standpoint, we said, you know what? The real meaning is in sex and fulfillment and personal gratification and relationships. What, does, what makes you happy? What makes you feel fulfilled? And never before in human history has there been so much exaggeration of romantic love than in our culture today. Fifty shades of exaggeration, actually. <laughs> the message that we're hearing is this. Unless you have found happiness in sex or in romance, then you really don't have anything, okay? And if you aren't experiencing it now in, in your marriage or in your relationship, you have a right, maybe even a responsibility to yourself to trade up to something better. And so we've sent all of these people, and I just mean in general, our, our culture sends everybody on this, on this impossible quest, chasing after windmills, if you're familiar with Don Quixote, or chasing after waterfalls, if you prefer TLC, whatever it might be, on this impossible quest to, to, to find meaning, and the net result is brokenness and fragmentation on a personal level and on a family level. So... Here we are looking for this. There's, there's a message out there that every one of us is hearing, and you single people are hearing this as much as us married people, that you need sex and romance to be complete. Don't worry for those of you who have kids in the, in the service. It's, it's going to stay PG here the whole time, okay? Other people say you need a spouse and children to be complete. Some people say, you know, whatever it is. The Bible says, this is, let me just tell you what the Bible says about whether, whether singleness is, whether you should just, you know, or whether it should be marriage. What does the Bible say about singleness and marriage? Well, it says this, kind of like this. I could just sum up the, the, what, what 1 Corinthians 7 says. It says it, meh, meh. This is what it says. Paul says this, if you're single, good. Good. Don't be in a hurry to get married. This is, I'm just, he says, serve the Lord in this season with all your heart because marriage and family can bring a lot of trouble. Paul's words, not mine. The Bible says that God has given you and me everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And so that means that 
single people or single again people aren't second rate because of their singleness. You have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. And one is a whole number, like we're saying. And so if you're single, good. Let me tell you what else it says. If you're married, good. <laughs> right? Keep your vows. Let your marriage and your family be a reflection of God's character and a source of blessing. Be committed, come hell or high water. Because that's the only way to go the distance in a marriage. So, and isn't it great to know this is, I mean, there's something freeing when we realize that the Bible says, hey, if you're single, good. And if you're married, good. Because one is a whole number. Number two, single and secure is a reality, not a fiction. We said one is a whole number, not a fraction. Single and secure is a reality, not a fiction. The truth about me is ultimately what will set me free. So most people get married. This is the thing. Most single people will enter into marriage without ever really understanding or knowing themselves. And folks, we are all kind of a moving target as far as this goes. So I, I, you know, I have lots of experience kind of you know, trying to understand myself. I still have trouble understanding myself. Right? And I will surprise myself sometimes. With, we, we are all entering into this with a sense of maybe um, mystery about who we are. But when we enter into marriage without knowing very much about ourselves, now we, we end up being married and still trying to figure ourselves out. But now there's another person in the mix who's complicating everything. <laughs> right? And some of you guys are saying, well, Steve, it's too late for me. I messed up and I got married. They're sitting right here. <laughs> yep. You're going to have to make it work. That's what I say. You're going to have to make it work. That, that's next week's talk for sure. Or, or Steve, it, it's too late for me. I got divorced, and I'm single again. Well, you're going to have to embrace this season well also. God has grace for you in this season too. The thing about God is this. He loves you and me, and he will find ways to show favor and blessing to us no matter what season we're in. Even if we, are, even if we have made a mess of things in our lives, and that doesn't just apply to relationships, but in so many other areas. God loves us in a way where he will find ways to bless us and to give us good gifts. See, he is the giver of every good gift, and he, he's so good at giving that, that, that we take it for granted. If you can remember who he is and remind yourself of his faithfulness like we talked about during worship there, then you might in this season just begin to have a new sense of joy when you start seeing his goodness at work, right? When you start seeing in the midst of the challenges that I have in singleness or perhaps the challenges that I'm having in my marriage, if I can look at that and actually remember God's faithfulness, then I'll keep my eyes open and say, you know what, even if I've made a mess of things for right now, God isn't done blessing me and God isn't done giving good gifts to me. Jesus said, when asked, hey, Tell me, about what the, tell me about the law and the prophets. Jesus said, well, they could be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, it's interesting that he goes through that, that, that idea, and it wasn't particularly unique to Jesus at the time. He was basically summing up what some other people had already summed up about the law and the prophets. But isn't it interesting that, that he says, not just love God and love others. He says, love God and love others as you would love yourself. And so it's important that we note today that you can't love those others right until you learn to love yourself right. Right? Do you know yourself well enough to love yourself? When uh, 
for years when I ran student ministry, there was the, 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 the purpose, the vision that we had that kind of we said as our overarching goal with students was this, to help parents raise students who love God, who love themselves, and who love others. And we put it in that order because we wanted students to actually experience it in that order. And here's the thing. We are all just big students in the house, right? Because if we don't get it in that order, then we can't really love others very well until we've learned to love ourselves appropriately. This is a good season if you're single, to learn about yourself. You say, I'm just trying to find the one. Well, my encouragement to you would be to be the one, and you might find each other. <laughs> You're going to need character and emotional intelligence. You're going to need wisdom from God. You're going to need discernment if you're to find the one. So work on developing all of those things, and then you'll actually give God a chance to bring that person to you. God doesn't, this is interesting, this is, I have a conviction about this, God doesn't necessarily choose the one for you, you choose the one for you. So I've had people that have talked to me over the years and they've said, you know, I just, I know that everybody, this, if you ever, if you're a single person, this is just like a free bit of advice to you. If these words ever come out of your mouth, just, just let the alarms go off and be like, I'm sorry for saying that. Say, if these words, they just don't understand. You just don't understand. If you say that, you just don't understand. Be like, I'm sorry, I just said that. <laughs> because we all understand, right? We've all been there before. Everybody's been, in, everybody's been in love. Everybody's been crazy in love, stupid in love. Everybody's been there before. And this person was talking to me about this, the, the, the person that they were, you know, everybody is telling me it's a bad idea for me to be with them. And, and, and they were like, I, I want to marry her. And I said, listen, here's the thing. You can make it work with anybody. Literally, you can choose whoever you want and you can make it work with them. It's really only a question of how much work it's going to take. So develop. If you're in a season of singleness, you have an opportunity to develop during the season your discernment, the wisdom from God, emotional intelligence, your character, who you are, so that you can be discerning about the person that you choose. But let me encourage you here. You can reach your full purpose and potential without being married. I'm saying during this season, if God should lead you during this time of singleness, you, do, you are not incomplete. You are not lacking purpose during the season because you're not married. Now, in marriage, there is purpose from God too. And I will stand up, and we'll talk about this maybe another week, but at almost every wedding ceremony that I've done, I've had this line that I've said, which is, which, which is this. Every quality in so-and-so is purposed by God to perfect virtue in you. And every quality in so-and-so is purposed by God to perfect virtue in you. Not all the good qualities, but every quality. Even the bad qualities will perfect virtue in us. As a matter of fact, those are the ones that usually perfect the most virtue in us, right? If you're single, you have an opportunity to reach your purpose I mean, somebody's, you know, let me, people are like, really? Can you really be, can you really have that much purpose without being? Yes, absolutely, you can. I, Jesus did not get married. <laughs> and I believe that he fulfilled his purpose. Paul was single. We talk about that. Some of you guys are like, oh, what about the Da Vinci Code? That's false. It's a lie. <laughs> Forget about it, all right? And so I would say this, this season is a wonderful time for you to become better prepared for marriage. Some of you like just went careening into marriage, uh, you know, 19 and 20 years old, you didn't know yourself. And let me just tell you, you've got your own journey to walk along, but if you are single today, use this time 
to continue to prepare yourself for whatever God wants to do in you and through you during this season. And if you should end up in a married relationship, then let me encourage you, you will be better prepared for having made use of this time. You see, if you're struggling in your marriage, let me, let me just guess, some of your problems might not be married people problems, they might be single people problems. And you just brought them into your marriage. Because married people problems are usually just single people problems times two. <laughs> Marriage has this way of turning up the heat on every character weakness, every trait that is selfish or self-centered. It usually gets exposed in the heat of that fusion, if you will. And it might not show up in your single years, but it will show up in marriage. It might not be obvious to others in your single years, but it will be obvious to your spouse. So let me just encourage you here. If you're a single person, what are you hiding today that your spouse will find out about? What character weakness are you hiding that you're... Because if you learn to deal with that today, if you will actually bring that out into the light and begin to process through that and grow through that, then your spouse doesn't have to deal with that. Isn't that wonderful? It's possible to live a full life as a single person. So all the married people in the room can stop pitying the single people that you know. Oh. Oh. And all the single people, you can stop pitying the married people, too, because there's probably that, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> single and secure is a reality, not a fiction. Number three, make relationships a priority, not a fixation, okay? Now, there is an essential quality to being human. That is that I am not really, I'm just going to say this and leave it, leave it out there because I don't have time to defend it, but that... There's an essential quality in, in that this. I am not fully human until I am connected with other humans. That's the way God designed me. I am not fully human until I'm in community. Now, that doesn't mean codependent community. That just means that I am in relationship with other people. So to say that I can't be, be, uh, be um, pure and whole and purpose-filled without being married, well, that is almost to make an idol out of marriage. Right? And some people will feel that way. I know you might never express it like that, but you are sitting here today as a single person feeling, I could never be complete. I just need somebody to complete me. I need somebody. I, I am not ever. Listen, be careful that you don't make a, an idol out of relationships or sex or, 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 or marriage. Because you know what happens when we make an idol out of that? It's like we're saying, I cannot be complete without that. You're limiting God in his infinite ability to provide for you whatever you need in this season and to make you complete through friendships, through family. All the meaning that you need, all the purpose and all the joy that you need is actually resourced by God and not through marriage or through relationships. And if you bring that idolatrous view of marriage into your marriage, you're almost certain to experience some friction <laughs> because that's a weight that no spouse can bear. Now, what I mean by not, don't make it a fixation is to be careful about having a fairy tale dream of perfect marriage. Be careful of that, that idol, making an idol out of romantic love. It's not really like that. The average man has four items in his bathroom. A toothbrush, a razor, a bar of soap, and a towel. The towel is from the Holiday Inn, okay? So, the average 
woman has 128 items in her bathroom. That average man does not understand the purpose of most of the, nearly all of those items, okay? Here's some other differences. A man will pay, I actually, this is actually really insightful. It's actually pretty true of some people I know. <laughs> a man will pay $20 for a $10 item he wants. A woman will pay $10 for a $20 item that she doesn't want. Right? She's like, it's on sale. <laughs> I had to get it. A woman knows all about her children. She knows about schedules and appointments, best friends, favorite foods, secret fears, hopes and dreams. A man is vaguely aware of some short people living in his house. <laughs> A woman has the last word in any argument. Anything a man says, anything a man says after that is the beginning of a new argument. I know, it's scary. And I say these things in jest, but I, I, mean, I mean this to say there's not any perfect marriage, there's not any perfect relationship, so don't be fixated on that. Because when we get fixated on it, when we get hungry, when we get so thirsty in that way, then what, what happens is we lower our standards. When I am hungry, I will, I will eat anything that is put in front of me. I will always, if I've been traveling and I'm like walking through an airport and I'm so hungry, I will try and wait for a good thing, but some airports just have terrible food, and I will just look. I will find, there will be an old sandwich in that cooler right there. It's like three days old, and I will pick it up, and I, because I'm so hungry, it will look good to me, and I will bring it to the counter, and the lady will say, that's $24, and I will say, are you talking American dollars? And she will say, yes, and I will be robbed at that moment, and I will eat a nasty stale sandwich because I'm hungry. I'm paying way too much for food that doesn't satisfy. And when we get fixated on relationships, when we, get, when we allow ourselves to be hungry and unsatisfied in our relationship with God and in the season that God has placed us in, it makes us too willing to lower our standards to try and catch somebody, right? And we end up in trouble. When I was a kid, my dad would take me fishing. Never been so bored in my life. Still don't understand the purpose of it. Are we, we're not going to eat these fish, right? What are we doing here? Are we just trying to make them late to wherever they were going? Because you pull them into the boat, and they always have that scared fish eye look. And then you just throw them back in the water. And you know that wherever they were trying to get, they get there late. And their friends are like, dude, where have you been this whole time? And they're like, you're never going to believe what happened to me. I got caught. And they're like, no way. And they're like, yeah, look at my lip. And then it makes no sense at all. I don't get the joy. I don't feel it, right? Because when you're fishing, you're out there, and you're just throwing that lure into the water, right? And you're just pulling it through the water. And the, 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 the idea behind all these lures is that they, 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 they get shiny, and they spin, and they make noise underwater. And the idea is that they draw attention, but it's a false bait, right? Think about, think about that in our culture, the bait that's being offered to so many people. What kind of bait are you putting out there today? Are you trying to catch the right kind of person? 
slipping and sliding around into people's DMs. <laughs> hey, what to do, baby? <laughs> Posting the pictures. I mean, I'm, my advice to the single people, I, 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 I know that I'm, I am not um, particularly, like, I'm not, like, even, like, enamored of, of uh, social media that much, but my advice to you would be to delete your Tinder account. My advice to you would be to delete that Finsta account, you know, creep on everybody. My, my advice to you would be to, to literally focus more. Stop throwing out that garbage as bait, right? Because if you throw out the, the, that kind of trash, then you're going to end up attracting a bottom feeder. So my advice to you is let God work deeply inside of you. Do you believe that he is willing to work on your behalf to find the right person? Are you praying and asking God to guide you in that? And are you honoring God with your life as a single person? This is, this is what you could pray. God, I want you to give me discernment. I want you to bring. If, if you believe that marriage is in your future, and let me just encourage you, some of you here, you might still, that might be an open question for you. And praise God, if, you're, if, if it's not coming from resentment or bitterness, but if it's actually coming from a, a, a place where you feel fulfilled and purposeful, and you're, you're, you think you might be able to serve the Lord better as a single person than as a married person, all the power to you. Praise God for that. But if you feel like marriage is in your future, then you need to pray. And God would say this, first of all, it could be about a specific person or it could just be in general. And God has four answers to prayer. And I've heard a number of different people go through this. Um, uh, I know Ravi Zacharias talks about this. I know that there's some others who've talked about this. The first answer to, God's, to, to a prayer that we ask God for is no. Possible answer. And it's like this, your request isn't right. I have something better for you. The second answer could be this, slow. Yes, but the timing isn't right. Right? Which means I have something later for you. It, it could be this. Grow. Yes, but you're not ready because I have something bigger for you. I have something better for you. And you're not ready for it yet, so you need to grow. And the last thing could be go. This is it. You're ready. The timing's right. And I have something for you right now. So don't fixate on relationships. Pray and seek God. Jesse and I were in Costco yesterday, and I realized something that I've noticed before, but it really, it was a Saturday in Costco, and so it was really crowded, and I realized that she's, like, spatially challenged. <laughs> like, airports, crowded streets, no sense of space at all. She ran into three people, no, no exaggeration, she ran into three people yesterday, um, and I think it's because maybe she has no peripheral vision or something like that, right? That's what I'm imagining because <laughs> she's, she's kind of like, walk, walk like this. I'm like, I, wait, 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 you know, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Because, you know, peripheral vision is how you see what's around you. And this is something that some of you also might need because you walk through the airports and you do the same thing. I don't know why people walk in zigzag lines to the airports. The gate is that way, right? So peripheral vision because... Because some of you guys are trying to be, fixate on this idea. Who am I going to find? Who am I going to find? But let me just encourage you. When you are actually 
developing your relationship with God, your character, letting God work deeply in you, it's almost like God is expanding your vision and your peripheral vision is coming in there. And, and, and this is the thing. I, I want to believe this, that the right person for you might not be a person who's in front of you. It might actually be a person who's actually beside you. As you are serving God, as you are running hard after God, you need to develop that peripheral vision because there might just be somebody right next to you who's running just as hard after God, who's serving God with just the same depth of commitment as you are. And all of a sudden, if you've got the peripheral vision, you'd say, oh, oh. And that might be the person that you end up that God has brought into your life. Number four and last. Start relationships from a firm foundation, not frustration. Lonely is never a reason for a romantic relationship because marriage doesn't even solve the loneliness problem. Okay? If you're tired of being with you, why bring someone else into this misery? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like I was sick of myself and then I got married and now we're both sick of me. <laughs> See, singleness doesn't have to be loneliness. You can have a status of being single without being solo, right? You, you, you need to watch this season and, and look at this season as a time to build a, a foundation because if you're going to build anything, any house needs to have a foundation. And so being a good single person means being a much better married person. If you're a good single person, you have a much better chance of being a good married person. And so the point of this whole series is to help us to actually see how God grows us in whatever season that we're in. So how comfortable are you with you? Because just being frustrated with singleness is not a reason to get into a relationship. Maybe some of you who are single might say, I, I need to get into one small, two small groups. You got the time, do two small groups, a Bible study and a life group. Get to know people, build friendships, create, create some accountability in your life so that you can actually be growing and find some mentors or some people who will speak into your life. Maybe some of you would even say, you know what, I'm going to go see uh, you know, a therapist or a counselor because I want them to help me kind of unpack some of that baggage that I've been carrying around from, from you know, these different experiences I've had. There's nothing wrong with all of that. And here's what I would say. Healthy habits that you develop in singleness produce healthy habits in marriage. If you're a single guy and you haven't figured out how not to have a wandering eye, you think, oh, I just, you know, I'm single, you know, I'm not committed to anybody, so I'm just going to look, look, and look, look. And here's the problem. When you get married, that wandering eye has been trained to wander. And it still wanders. If you think marriage will solve that problem, it will not. And so developing that, Job 31.1 says this. He said, Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I might not look lustfully upon a young woman. That's what it says. And that was a verse that I committed to memory when I was in high school for obvious reasons. Because I said, you know what? I want to have a covenant. I want to have an agreement with my eyes that I'm not going to let them wander to look lustfully upon someone. You know what? Greedily. That's what that word. I don't want to look greedily about something that isn't mine. And this is the thing. Gentlemen, if you look that way, you are looking at somebody else's future wife. So just be careful that that wandering eye gets, gets kept in check. If you're a lazy single guy, it doesn't mean you're going to be, you're going to be a lazy married guy then. <laughs> Right? If you're an angry single girl, get ready. He's going to make you angry <laughs> when you get married. So I'm encouraging you, build that foundation and, and not frustration. 
Don't, don't, don't let that drive you into relationship. Let it drive you to seek God with all the more earnestness. You don't need to look for another person to prove that you are worth it. You don't need to look for another person to prove that God is good. God has already done that. He said, God, send me a person. This would be my encouragement to you. When, when, it, when it came down to it, when God wanted to show us his goodness, he didn't give us an airtight argument. He gave us an airtight person. He already sent the one for you and for me. And as deep as this might sound, but every romantic longing that you have, every desire that you have for intimacy and connection is ultimately rooted in a desire that you have for God. And so if you recognize that God provided for you by sending you an airtight person, boy, that can shift your whole perspective. In John chapter 14, Jesus is having a conversation with a woman at, at, at this well and for a lot of reasons, he really shouldn't be talking to this woman. People are kind of, you know, she is actually shocked that he's talking to her. And in the process of, in the, in the course of their conversation, as they're talking about the water in this well, Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to now, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Water that would always satisfy. And this is what it says. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and, and I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus replied to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. <laughs> what you said is quite true. And then the woman said, sir, I can see you are a prophet. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how they're having this conversation about water and satisfaction and being sated and, and, and being, being no longer being thirsty. And then all of a sudden, Jesus turns the conversation to her relationships because she has been like a serial, uh, you know, had a string of, of all kinds of broken relationships in her past. And Jesus says, I know that this is where you have been looking to be satisfied. He says, if you want to really, if you really want to understand what I'm talking about here, he's saying, not that you don't have to come out here and draw water from this well. It's that the deepest longings of your heart and of your soul are ultimately and can ultimately only be satisfied with me, Jesus says. It's all about thirst. The longing that he is speaking to is something that God wants to meet in every one of us. We have looked everywhere else. We've turned to so many other places. And this could be a talk not just about relationships, but about money, about status, about acceptance, about family, about security. We've looked everywhere else. We've, we, we are so good at turning over every stone trying to look for that satisfaction. But let me tell you today, Jesus is the living water that satisfies our deepest longings. And if you have never known that satisfaction, then I really believe that's, that's the reason you're here today.